You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio, coming to you from a beautiful morning in Northern California. I'm looking out the window thinking it's just really a beautiful day. I hope that you all have your favorite morning beverage with you and that you're ready to enjoy today's program, which is one that will offer ideas to parents about how to help their children past any shame issues that present themselves, and also... I, as an adult, really related to this book, so I'm not sure it's just for parents of children. I think it could be for adults, but we'll we'll talk to the author in a moment. I remember, and what this book brought up for me, when I was a child, I was overweight, and I had no shame about this, and in fact, I didn't even realize that I was overweight until I entered kindergarten. It was there that I learned this ditty, and I wonder if you, any of you listeners remember this. Fatty, fatty, two by four, can't get through the bathroom door. So she peed and did some more, fatty, fatty, two by four. Remember that? So that ditty followed me through second grade, maybe even into third, and I could still feel a distant shame um, issue that I still have even today. And I remember the pain it brought to me at age five. I suspect we all have painful memories similar to mine. I had so much shame about the bullying, which wasn't called bullying when I was growing up. Um, And I was so ashamed of it that I didn't even tell my parents. Somehow I thought they'd blame me. I think my kindergarten teacher told them about the harassment, and I remember sometime during the second half of my kindergarten year, my parents began giving me all sorts of ways to deal with the problem, like ignore it, punch the kid who said it, you know, all those helpful problem-solving suggestions. Well. Those were not ideas that resonated with me. I was just a little girl, and it felt like I was being expected to solve what I thought of as an unsolvable problem. How do I talk back to a group of boys who were taller than I and bigger than I and and punch them or, or just ignore them or tell them to shut up? I was scared. And in my experience as a psychologist, many, many children suffer shame issues caused by bullies at their school. And often these bullies are thought of as the cool kids. In my case, the cool kids were thin, and I was not. And let me frame this as a bit of reality. I was not obese. I was just chubby. But the weight issue has followed me throughout my life, and it became a deep wound. And I have to admit, listeners, every time I go into the store and try on something new, 
I look in the mirror and ask myself, does this make you feel fat? Or does this make you look fat? And I think many of us, especially many of us women, carry this around. So what could my parents have done better? How could they have helped me through this so my kindergarten self could have been comforted instead of being shamed and feeling like I didn't belong? I think that's a really good question. A few years ago, I used to think we'd come a long way since my years in kindergarten, but honestly, I question this thought because with my everyday patient interactions, I continue to find that most of my folks, the ones I see, have been the recipients of shame at a young age. Many of my patients are in their late teens, 20s, and early 30s, and I'm considering doing some research about what benefit people have from bullying others. There must be something about the idea of bullying that gives satisfaction to the people who are doing the bullying, but I have yet to discover what it is. Maybe they're bullied at home by their parents. Research will hopefully show. Today's guest wrote a book that I casually picked up to read so I would be well-informed before having her on Dr. Ann's radio show. Well, I was not prepared for this read. On the surface, it looked like a very cute children's book, and I was ready for a quick skim before I asked our guest some questions about it on the air. I was not ready for the deep impact it had on me. I was totally unprepared to go back to kindergarten and relive all the challenges my five-year-old self should not have had to face. I wanted to test this book's impact to see if I was the only adult, the only one, who would be deeply affected by it. So I did an experiment. I read this short book to one of my adult patients who is plagued by shame. She cried. Then I read it to a therapy group who sat in silence after I completed my reading, and I thought to myself, oh dear, they didn't like it. That conclusion was totally inaccurate, and slowly, one after another of my adult patients asked about their experience or talked about their experience with shame and how they wished that they had the support that Courageous Gilbert, the groundhog, was given by the old oak tree. I was reminded about the old adage, never judge a book by its cover. What looks like a nice little kid's book turned out to provide a profound experience for many of my adult patients. Who would have thunk it? Regina McCarthy, author of Courageous Gilbert the Groundhog, is today's guest. I'm jealous of what I'm going to say next about her. She is a cum laude graduate of Boston College, and I creep through college in undergrad. So she's cum laude, and she has a BA in human development, and she's a graduate of Loyola University with a master's degree in social work. Regina is a psychotherapist who is owner of Bluestone Healing Center, and we'll find out more about her accomplishments during our interview. Welcome to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio, Regina. Thank you, Dr. Ann, and thank you for all your kind words. That is so awesome of you. 
well, that's nice, but they aren't really kind. They're just true. And mm. I just picked up on this recently. Kindness is one thing, but honesty is another. And honestly, I'm being honest. <laughs> so well, we, you're welcome. Before we discuss Courageous Gilbert the Groundhog, and by the way, I just love his name, and I love the title mm. of your book. Would you share with us all the awards your book has won? Now, don't take up the whole hour. Just give us a brief overview. All right, absolutely. You know, I am so proud of this book. Um, had no idea when I went to write it that this was all going to happen. I have 13 awards on my book. Oh. I have, do you want me to name them? Well, if you'd like. Sure. I have a Mom's Choice Award, a gold medal, a Reader's Favorite Book Award, a Nautilus Book Award, a Purple Dragonfly Book Award First Place, a Pinnacle Book Award, a Next Generation Indie Book Award Finalist, it's a Beverly Hills Book Award winner, an Independent Press Award Distinguished Favorite, it's the Eric Hoffer Award Finalist, the Montaigne Medal Finalist, the Da Vinci Eye Finalist, the Colorado Independent Publishers Association Evie Book, and it received a Reader's Favorite Five Star Review. Oh, my gosh. I am so happy for you. Not many books get one award, so for you to have all of those is totally amazing and speaks more highly of your book than even Mm. I could. I'm Mm. so curious about what I want to ask you next is what prompted you to write this book? You know, I had no idea that I was going to write a book. Um, I've been a therapist for almost... 25 years, and it, it never dawned on me, but my husband used to say, oh, honey, you've got a book in you, and I'd look at him like, okay, right. <laughs> well, one evening, um, during my sleep, after I had just done some personal work at a weekend away, I woke up in the middle of the night, and there was this story, just this, this story. I had no idea the details of it, but I thought, I need to go write this down, or I'm going to forget it. You know, like you forget your dreams when you wake up sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed my laptop and I went down to my son's room. He was away at college, and I started writing. And I wrote all night long. And my husband came down in the morning. He's like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "There's this book in my head, this story, and I just had to write it down." And then the next morning, when I went to make my tea, I was looking out the window, I was filling up my teapot, and there was this animal, no kidding, walking in front of our house that I had never seen on our property before, and I've never, I've not seen one since. And I said to my husband, "What is that?" that animal right there and he said oh that's a groundhog I'm like alright that's it that's going to be the main character of my story that is just such a neat story I love it and I can really relate to it because I never thought I'd ever write a book had no desire to write a book Mm -hmm. I've written four (laughs) I don't know what amazing books I might add yeah oh well that's kind of you too and Mm -hmm. actually it's accurate (laughs) It's true. It is. And you, yeah, it is. So what is Gilbert's message? And we have about two minutes before we have to break. Okay. Uh, what is Gilbert's message? Well, there's several messages. Um, I, can, I can highlight them and we can come back to them. But the gist is we have to take care of ourselves because we can't change anybody else. To know how to take care of ourselves, we have to know what's going on inside our body. We have to know about our emotions. Our emotions are our superpowers. And that's something that I wasn't raised with as a kid. I had no idea about emotions because everything was kind of like, 
don't cry, don't don't you know make a fuss, don't don't bother us. We're busy. I'm one of ten kids, so oh my god, busy, yeah, busy household. The other messages are that we have to breathe. Breathing, um, calm, relaxing breathing helps us calm down our central nervous system, our anxious body. We have to practice anything that we want to become good at. We have to practice even expressing our feelings. And that change takes time. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. We would love it to. We, we are part of a quick-fix society. But it really does take time. I love, love those messages. Change does take time. And for a little kid, like in your book, a little groundhog named Gilbert, to think mm-hmm. about change is just, or to be brave enough to even consider it is just sort of awesome and a great role model for the readers of your book. We're coming up on a, a break, Regina, and so, re- listeners, we are going to come back to you in about two minutes, and until then, we will wait with the bated breath to hear what Regina McCarthy has to say. We will be right back. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. I'm going to take just a moment to remind everybody this would be a great day to go online and check out the Tornado Body Dryer. Talking about Relationship Radio, now you could talk about a body dryer. goes right in your shower. It works great. I use mine every day. That's just www.tornadobodydryer. We'll be back right after this with more of Relationship Radio and Dr. Ann. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
Welcome back, listeners, to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. We are here with Regina McCarthy, the author of Courageous Gilbert, The Groundhog, a book I have just fallen in love with. And Regina, uh, before the break, we were talking about Gilbert's messages, and you kind of skimmed over them, and I'm wondering if you could address those uh, a little bit more. Absolutely, and You know, the piece of the first message of by taking care of ourselves, we have to understand that we can't change anyone else. We can only change ourselves. And that's actually a line that the tree says to Gilbert because I think at times we feel like, oh, if only I could change, well, personally, if I could change my husband, if I could change my kids, if I could change, you know, siblings, but, or could I change the bully? And, and we can't. And, and so I go over this with the kids and I ask them, who can we change? And I'm so delighted when they raise their hands and they say, only ourselves. I'm like, yes, they're getting this information. You know, I can't change how anybody treats me. I can only change how my body responds to that treatment. I can't change anything in this world. I can only change how I respond to it inside. And so that's why it's really important for me to know what's going on inside me. So I respond to situations instead of reacting. Well, that's so true, and I can just speak from my experience with patients. Um, Honestly, some of my patients and many of my patients think that if they just lecture the person who's bullying them or belittling them or harming Mm -hmm. them in some way, one more time that they're going to get this aha moment and the light bulb is going to go on and they're going to say, oh, you were so right. I have never seen that happen. Mm -hmm. And I think what you just said is so important that the only person we can change is ourselves. And we can train others how to treat us, though. I, I do believe mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. So those are important messages. And I'm also wondering, how does the story of Gilbert relate to you sitting down there at all hours of the night writing this? <laughs> well, that was me. That was me back in fourth grade. So there's a picture of Gilbert trying to present his book report in front of the class and his face is totally red, his eyes are huge, and he says he forgot what he was going to say. One fourth grade, I was giving an oral report and I had little index cards with the words on the cards and I couldn't, I couldn't read them. I was so afraid. I just said to the teacher, I have to go sit down. And then, and she, she didn't understand because, you know, this was back in 1970. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'd like to. I, I, I know the teachers are more educated today, so that's yeah, that's a, that's a great thing. Back then, there this education wasn't there. This awareness wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And then in in seventh grade, I was picked on by the bully, mm-hmm. and I didn't tell anybody like you. I didn't say anything about it. I didn't tell anybody. Um, I just went along with it. You yeah, know, I felt that I'd be. Go ahead. Just the idea that we are being bullied by somebody is shaming. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. often think it's our fault because we're so weird, so odd, so shy, so whatever it is that we tell ourselves. It's just, it's toxic and it gets you at a core level. Mm-hmm. Have you found that? I have found that. 
And I feel that if, if I feel shamed by someone, I feel shame myself. And if I feel shame myself, that's because somewhere along the line, I was taught that there's something wrong with me. Or, and, I also don't know what's going on inside me. I don't know how to stand up for myself. I don't know that I have emotions inside my body. I don't know what they are. I just feel all mixed up and um, scared and confused instead of, oh, that's my sadness, or, oh, that's my fear, or, oh, that's my anger. And each of those emotions, those are the three emotions I talk about in the book, and each of those emotions has so much information for me. Like, if I'm scared, then I need to know, all right, there might be something dangerous ahead of me. I might want to avoid that. Or it might be a signal, you know, or it might be information that tells me what's right or what feels wrong. Or sometimes, like during this interview, I was nervous. I was scared to come on. But that just meant, okay, this is something I need to do. And then afterwards, I feel so empowered and so confident because I did it. Yes. And I think that's probably really challenging for most little kids who are being bullying, being bullied. But we're talking about shame a lot. So let's talk mm-hmm. a little about it a little more. Tell mm-hmm. us what shame is and how it connects to one's body because how it connects to one's body, I think, is a topic that's not often discussed. Mm. Right. So shame is that belief that I, as a person, am bad. I'm not enough in some way, whether it's good enough, thin enough, rich enough, smart enough, talented enough, pretty enough, you name it. You can put in whatever you want before that enough. But there's something about me that's wrong. So it's a value statement. Whereas guilt is I did something wrong. I made a poor choice. It's a behavior. Shame is I am, as a person, am wrong. And I think that's such an important important statement that you just made because I have so many patients and I include myself in this. I could be my own patient because of the fatty, fatty two-by-four stuff. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I knew that, Diddy. I knew that as a kid, too. Oh, I'm sad to say I probably said that to kids because <laughs> I didn't know any better. Well, yeah, but, but we carry the feedback of, let's say, kindergartners who have absolutely no brain development mm-hmm. into our adult lives, and we mm-hmm. carry these phrases. And this is what came up for me as I was reading your book, Fatty Fatty 2 by 4 so I could totally relate to it as an adult. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering, how do you think shame feels different in children than it, than it does in adults? Well, I don't think that there's a whole lot of difference. If I feel ashamed of myself, whether I'm a child or an adult, I'm going to hide. I'm not going to put myself out there because I don't want to be seen because that's vulnerable. I might make a mistake. Somebody might laugh at me. So I'm not going to speak up. I'm not going to reach out. I'm not going to ask for help. I won't take care of myself because I'm going to feel like I don't deserve it. I'll second-guess everything I do. I'll be critical of myself, and then I'm going to be super critical of other people. I'll start judging Yes, and you just said a really important word, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. We don't want to show our vulnerability, especially when we're being bullied. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. and, you know, we, so as a kid, I had those messages. 
If I was afraid of something, somebody would have said, what are you, scaredy cat? You know, what's wrong with thee? Or if I was sad and, and I was crying, I got the messages, you know, you're a sissy. Stop the crying. Or boys might have heard, boys don't cry. You know, and we shame our kids out of feeling their emotions. Or if I was angry, I might have heard, oh, I'll give you something to be angry about. Don't you raise your voice to me, young lady. Oh, and I'll give you something to cry about. That's the famous one, especially mm-hmm. when you cry. Oh, yeah, something mm-hmm. to cry about. <laughs> and so what yeah, are I those think- messages? Those messages are, your feelings are not okay. Do not feel them because, well, really, I feel, because my parents didn't know how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And there's ten of us, you know, ten kids running around. There wasn't time to sit <laughs> cuddle, <laughs> you know, talk about it. I have lots of empathy for your parents. I have the empathy of my own. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it's a, a time issue, but when I was growing up, what were feelings? We didn't even talk about feelings. We, we did feel that. Yeah, that's a big part of this book. Is, go ahead. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of this book is, is you have to understand, like I said, those are our superpowers. And if we're feeling vulnerable that we can't share them, we're not in our power. And if I'm in my power, I'm going to listen to that bully and I'm going to be like, yeah, whatever. Or I might say, that's not okay. Stop treating me that way. And then I'm going to walk away. Because I'm going to realize I'm worth more than that. I don't have to put up with that nonsense. That is so profound, and I wish I'd had parents who knew that. I had good parents, but they didn't know mm-hmm. what you just talked about. And, mm-hmm. um, boy, time is passing so quickly. We're coming <laughs> up on a break again, and I want to ask you a question, but it has a longer answer than we have time for you to answer. So I'm going to go back to my own childhood for a second mm-hmm. and say that we never talked about feelings in my family. We didn't either. You yeah. No, and no. I think culture in some ways has evolved that talking about your feelings with trusted, safe people, not with the bully, is really important in to have a name. And I say to my group members, fine, okay, so-so, fair, and bad are not feelings. Right. I think we as in our culture need to develop the words that are really accurate. And listeners, mm-hmm. we're going to take a break right now and we're going to come back with the author of Courageous Gilbert the Groundhog and I love the pictures. We will be back in a couple minutes. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, listeners. We are here talking about Courageous Gilbert the Groundhog. And as I said before, I just love the illustrations in this book. They're so Mm. colorful and cute. And with its author, Regina McCarthy. And before the break, we were talking about shame. And Regina, I was wondering how parents can help with shame. You know, one of the biggest things that... um well, there's, there's a few things. One of the things that parents can let their kids know is that everyone has some shame. Shame, you know, gentle shame just lets us know that we goofed up on something. Um, you know, adults do it. Kids do it. Somebody I was reading just uh, used the example. He was going to give a presentation somewhere, and he realized he left his fly down. You know, an innocent thing had happened. Someone said, hey, zip up your zipper. And he's like, oh, gosh, that would have been a bad thing to do. You know, it's... It's not the end of the world. It's a little shaming, but it, it wasn't toxic. Right. Adults have shame. Kids have shame. And and when kids do have a shaming moment, for parents, hold them close. Remain calm and let them know that you're okay. So that you, you're honoring that feeling because they're feeling awkward about whatever happened. But give them that to be a good role model during the shameful event. That is really critical, and I think back to siblings and how they mm-hmm. bully each other, and it's so important for our, us parents to get a grip on that and not to allow it to happen in our families, and that's mm-hmm. my comment. That's mm-hmm. damaged many people, too. You say on your website and Facebook page that this is a trauma and shock healing resource, your book is. What do you mean by that? You know what, Anne, um, before I go on to that, do you mind if I go back to two more things with helping with shame? Because I really want to get these two messages out there, and I'm happy to talk about the the trauma and the shock. You know, another thing that parents can help is to avoid making kids do something they don't want to do. Like if there's a relative they don't know very well. Maybe they see them once a year, once every three years. Then sometimes it's like, go give Aunt so-and-so a hug. 
if they don't, if the kids don't know that person and they don't feel comfortable in their body, don't force them to do it because that teaches phoniness and it also teaches them don't trust what's going on inside your body. Don't trust your own wisdom. Now, they don't need to be rude to that person, but it's important that we honor, we respect their emotions, especially their no. Because, you know, if, if we don't respect their no, we're probably not respecting our own no. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've seen this with little kids at the clinic. Oh, go say hi to your therapist. I'm, I'm not a little kid clinician, but mm-hmm. I've seen it out in the hall, and they go, oh, no, Mom, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. So um, then the parent picks them up and makes them go do it instead of saying, how can we work this out, or whatever would be right. comforting, however right. would be comforting to respond. And right. Also, you know, perform, forcing the kids to perform some, like they know a piano piece, or they know a, a, a talk or a poem, and making them do that everywhere they go. You know, oh my gosh. The first few times it might have been fine, but you know this you know makes them perform all the time. I had that with piano and hated it. Mm-hmm. And it was realized by the piano recitals, and there was right. no me. It was like that's what my mom wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. So I parents listen closely to this because this is really critical in how your children will turn out. I'm going to go back Mm -hmm. to this, what you say on your website. So you said, I'm going to quote it again, this is a trauma and shock healing resource. Explain that to us. Sure. So trauma and shock. Trauma, we tend to think that trauma is, and it certainly is, natural disasters, wars, school shootings, uh, physical or emotional abuse. Those are definitely traumas. However, as a kid... Falling off your bike can be traumatic. Witnessing a car accident can be traumatic. Moving home, changing schools, um, parents lose a job, they get divorced, unexpected death of a loved one, having a family member with a major illness. Those are all traumas. And when we're little, we have very little or no resources to handle these events. So what happens is our brains do a beautiful response and that's to go into the fight, flight, or freeze mode. Our frontal brain shuts off. That's our thinking, our logical brain. Our reptilian brain takes over. And that's where we just, you know, go into automatic response. So we go into that fight, flight, or freeze. We're going to move towards the trauma. We're going to run away for it. Or we're going to freeze in our tracks. Now, those are great responses that, you know, animals in wild do this, of course, and that literally keeps them alive. And it, at times, could keep us alive. But if we grow up feeling helpless, overwhelmed, or trapped, or the traumas happen over and over and over, our brain and our body goes into shock, which means we go into that fight, flight, or freeze, and we're not even in danger. We're just always in that hypervigilance place. So constantly on the lookout, am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? Constantly, you know, looking at our surroundings. Am I, is everything okay? Is everything okay? And so you'll see this in adults who have a hard time slowing down. They have a hard time calming down their bodies. They're always moving. They're full of anxiety. Or they might always be arguing. Or you may know people who are great escape artists. They can't commit to things. They leave early. They'd rather leave than confront. 
or you may know people who are always checked out. <laughs> they're right in front of you, but you know their attention is a million miles away. And so we're, when we're in that, we're not feeling we're doing. And then we're numb to that helpful information of our emotions. And you have explained that so beautifully, and I am saying that as a psychologist who is the main trauma therapist where I work, clinic where I work. So that was a beautiful explanation, and the parents and significant others and relatives are not aware or are not informed of what this looks like and what even Mm -hmm. a trauma is for a little kid. We often think of trauma would be like a war trauma or a um, sexual abuse or physical abuse, but it is way more detailed than that. That is too general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess you agree. Yeah. Yes. So yes. I want to talk about the old oak tree. The old mm-hmm. oak tree, to me, in your book, was just a symbol of wisdom, kindness, unconditional love. So when I read the first solution that the old oak tree gave Gilbert the groundhog, I wondered why my parents couldn't have given me such a supportive solution to overcome my shame, which was fatty, fatty, two by four. What can parents do to help their little ones overcome those interpersonal challenges that usually pop up at school? What are some of the solutions that you teach in your book? So, you know, in our parents had parents, so our grandparents didn't have coffee table books on how to raise their kids, you know, sitting around the house. They didn't learn those things. And so I've come to the realization and the acceptance that my parents did the best they could with the way that they were raised. Um, in fact, our, our, our parents and grandparents were probably warned, don't give your kids too much attention. You know, that's going to seriously damage them for the rest of their lives. So, you know, unless our parents taught themselves how to parent in a healthy, loving way, they didn't have any good tools and skills. So as a parent, it is really important that I understand what's going on inside my body, and if I get triggered, that that's my stuff, and until I heal my past wounds, those wounds are going to keep running the show. So for me to be any good for my kids, I need to know what's going on inside me. And, and the solutions in my book are what are called somatic or body releases like yelling into your hands, stomping your feet, marching around while telling the bully it's not okay to talk to me that way. And I practice this with the kids when I do a reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll use those I feel statements. So it's Peter Possum, I, and he's the, he's the bully in the book. I feel hurt or I feel scared or I feel mad when you say those things to me. It's not okay and you need to stop. And if the kids are marching while they're practicing saying that you've got that muscle memory happening and my my hope is that if they're um, if somebody does something that is bullying or shameful that their body's going to remember with enough practice which is why we have to practice oh I have a response this is what I'll say and then I, te- I teach them now walk away because you have to stay there and listen to what the bully says it, it doesn't matter You've said what you needed to say. You've spoken your truth. I, I love that wisdom, and I just want to 
also say that many of us use our parents as a role model for how to parent. And I Mm -hmm. would say to all of our listeners out there, please don't do that. You may have Mm -hmm. come from a fabulous, fabulous family or one uh, family from hell, whatever you come from. It doesn't make how you were raised the right way to raise your child. So get some books, listen to some podcasts, put some new information and ideas into your mix of how you think about parenting. Absolutely. There's so many ways. Yeah, there's so many ways to get educated today so you don't have to be that parent. Exactly. And I use myself as an example. I came from a really nice family, and I used that as a role model, and it was a disaster. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got some books. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. And you know what, Anne, there's something else that really um, concerns me about society is we're very into laughing at people. We're very into teasing. Those programs on TV where you somebody falls and hurts themselves and everybody laughs about it, that's, that's so not cool. You know, if somebody hurts themselves, if somebody is embarrassed about something that they did and then everybody laughs at them, and I feel like we do this a lot with our kids. If they mess up, then it's, oh, did you hear about what so-and-so did? Kids need to know that they can count on their parents no matter what that they can come to the parent and talk to them. And if the parent, you know, isn't feeling okay about themselves, they're not, again, they're not going to be there to listen. So don't tease your kids. Mm-hmm. That is so important. Empathy is really um, going away a lot, I think, in our society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially for little kids. We're supposed to, like, go oh, suck it up and go do your Right. Thing. But um, that is not what little kids are equipped to do. Right. And, Regina, I want to, I wonder, um, oh, let me back up. The old oak tree mm-hmm. teaches uh, Gilbert the groundhog how to breathe. And I was mm. that your tree, it's such a great metaphor, gives Gilbert a way to overcome and to help himself. And as I was reading your book, uh, I've read it three times now, I I was struck by, well, why couldn't my parents give me something that would be helpful instead of telling me to go punch the bully? So Mm -hmm. talk to us about the benefits of deep breathing. Absolutely. The breathing technique that I put in my book, I learned from Dr. Andrew Weil some 20 years ago. And I've been teaching it to my kids' classes. I've been teaching it to high schoolers graduate students, I taught it uh, to people that were in rehab at the local hospital. It is I, Regina, I'm going to have to interrupt us because absolutely. I'm so interested in our conversation. Time got away. So <laughs> we're going to be right back with Regina McCarthy in a couple of moments, and we will pick up where we left off. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. 
If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Live closer to your food source. Learn how to grow it yourself. Please join me every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern on America's Homegrown Veggie Show for tips and advice from the country's best gardeners. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, listeners. And before we had to go to break, we were talking with Regina McCarthy, a wonderful author, um, about deep breathing and what the benefits are. And I'm wondering if you could briefly tell us about that because that's a great skill. Absolutely. So the breathing technique that I learned from Dr. Andrew Weil is called 478 Breathing for Relaxation. And it's not difficult at all. You inhale through your nose for four seconds. You hold your breath for seven seconds, and then you have a nice, long exhale for eight seconds. And the exhale is through your mouth. The inhale is through your nose. And this breathing technique, it's one of the easiest ways to calm down the central nervous system so your brain can process, your entire body can feel calm and relaxed. It lowers blood pressure. It calms a racing heart. It helps digestion. And he says it's just a great, if you can't fall asleep at night, it's a great thing to do. And so what also it does is if you use it, you can use it preventatively, like do it in the morning, do it at noon, and do it at night. So you could put a timer on your phone that says breathe. And what it will build up in your body so that you won't go to those highs you used to go to or those lows. You'll stay more in the middle which I love that, and, and I teach the kids, you know, that long exhale is what helps remove carbon dioxide from our lungs, and most of us don't breathe deeply. You know, if I get scared, I might go, <gasps> and then I'm not breathing at all, or if I'm nervous, I might start shallow breathing, and I'm not getting any of that carbon dioxide out of my lungs, and if that's building up, because it's toxic, I might get sluggish, I have low energy, it can cause depression. Breathing is amazing and it's free. It's literally right around my nose and doesn't require a prescription. Exactly, and as you're talking, I'm like doing the, the breathing. <laughs> I'm going, I should, Good. I need to do this because Good. in between patients, I need 
to have some more oxygen and get rid of whatever it is that we've been discussing that tends to hang out in my body after a session. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a great We tool. all do. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's a great tool for kids. And I wish that uh, when I was growing up in 1901 that um, <laughs> my teachers had been able to teach us that. Thank you for telling mm-hmm. us about that. And I'm also curious about this. Today's world brings unique challenges to teenagers. Do you think your book would help teens overcome their tough emotional challenges? I do. I do. I, you know, my son was used to be in the musicals in grade school and in high school, and I loved being a, a prop mom. So I'd help go backstage and get all the props on the stage and, and put a musical. And there was kids in the back having panic attacks. And I went up to the, the director and I said, you know, we got to do something with these kids. And like you said, it's so unique what they're going through. These kids are um, studying for finals. They are applying to colleges. They are thinking about prom. They're thinking about their lines. They're thinking about the music they might be playing. They might have a job. They might have um, kids that they're helping, you know, with homework or they might be, you know, helping with. They've got so much going on in their lives. Oh, yeah, and they're a high schooler. They're thinking about dating. You know, they're thinking about all the high school stuff. And so I started teaching them the deep breathing technique, and then I was doing some other kind of grounding meditation with the kids, but also talking about getting this stuff out, using the releases that are described in the book when you're frustrated to get things out of your body. Mm-hmm. And I, in my experience with, uh, I taught sixth grade years ago, mm. 42 sixth graders, and honestly, deodorant was a big trauma. <laughs> yes. It was. Yes. And so we can take it down to the littlest mm-hmm. thing that we adults just probably have forgotten about what deodorant was about and right. uh, if you smell. And these are all important things that you're bringing up about how to manage and how to have a conversation and how to be kind to people mm-hmm. um, who are around us. We don't know what they're going through. When I was sitting behind my desk, I never dreamt that three of my kids were being teased because they had B.O., and they hadn't ever heard about deodorant. I, I taught in a lower socioeconomic um, area, and I was just like, what? Mm-hmm. But we helped it. We didn't shame, and they got through it, I hope, in, a, in what they felt was a really kind way. Nice. Back to the old oak tree, who I just mm-hmm. fell in love with. The old oak and tree. Yeah, may ahead. I say... I did not illustrate my book. I, I love my illustrator, Sue Detman, and I just needed to make a plug for her because she was amazing in drawing. All, she, she painted all of the illustrations with watercolor in the book, and we would meet once a month, and she'd show me what she did, and I'd say, oh, this has to be a little bit like this. This has to be a little bit like this. And after a while, she knew exactly what I wanted. She was just awesome to work with. Well, I'll give her a plug, too. I don't know her. But um, I will say that her illustrations bring your words into visual. Mm. Uh, and, and many of us are visual learners. So to mm-hmm. have the words and the beautiful drawings together is really uh, a beautiful gift that you've given the reader. Mm. So the old oak tree who has eyes, I love this for the old oak tree, <laughs> he gives <laughs> Gilbert, a ground, the groundhog, techniques for healing do you have any right. others in your arsenal of self-care ideas? You know, there's so many things that we can do. Uh, just 
drink more water. All of us, hydrate more. Um, have a gratitude journal. Have a journal. Volunteer someplace. Laugh more. Take a yoga class. If you've ever heard of that, it's a laughing yoga class. No, there I've never are heard of that. There are riots. Oh. You have the opportunity. Yeah. And we just laughed our butts off the whole time we were in it. <laughs> so much fun. Get a massage. Practice forgiveness. Do some, some sort of art. Uh, listen to your favorite music. Pray. Have positive thoughts. This one I got from Dr. Andrew Well. Give up TV and newspapers for two weeks. Just, you know, have a moratorium on the news. Uh, cut some fresh flowers, bring them inside, do yoga, tai chi, exercise, chant, walk a labyrinth. I love those ideas. Are those on your website? They are not, but I should add them to my website. Oh, yes, you should. Yeah. <laughs> you could send them to America's um, web radio also, and we'll put okay. them underneath your uh, your. Um, talk that's going to be archived. Wonderful. And you have a private holistic practice called Blue Stone Healing Center. Describe your practice for us. Sure. So I work with my clients, body, emotion, mind, and spirit. So it's not just body, you know, we're not just talking. We're connecting our, um, our thoughts to our bodies, to our body awareness, to that information inside, which can create the healing. And so it's very spiritual. We bring in their spiritual connection, whatever that means to them. Um, and, you know, it's, it's whatever fills you up inside. That might be God, that might be a sunset. Whatever fills you up and makes you feel whole inside, that's your spiritual connection. Because when you feel connected and complete, you feel grounded, you feel safe, and you can be the person that you're meant to be. That's your authentic self. That's right. <laughs> I know that. I, mm-hmm. I really hope my patients um, understand what the authentic self is, because uh, not many people do. Um, I'm also wondering, how does the a holistic practice differ from other types of therapy? And we're going to have to make this shorter than I wanted it to be, because, again, we're coming up on the end of the program in about three minutes. Okay. So, well, I use a lot of heart. Yeah, I use a lot of heart-centered hypnotherapy with my clients, you know, in a holistic way. So, again, it's spiritual and it's body, motion, mind, spirit. And I, in, in that trance state, and trance is as we're driving from point A to point B and we don't remember how we got there or we're watching TV, that's, we're all in trance state all the time. And so I take them in the trance state back to the trauma to help them determine what do they begin to believe about themselves these self-limiting beliefs, and then how do they decide to behave based on those self-limiting beliefs? And we change those by healing that trauma, that old incident. We reverse the beliefs, and then that client can take back their power to become that authentic self, the self that they were meant to be, the self that they were born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stuff, yeah. The, the person who they were really born to be. Yeah, Regina, we aren't going to get to cover everything I wanted to ask you, but I'm also wondering, um, how can our listeners contact you? Absolutely. Please contact me at my website, www.courageousgilbert.com. 
Um, I also have a Facebook page, Courageous Gilbert. There's lots of um, information there on, on parenting and children. But uh, if you want to contact me or buy a book, CourageousGilbert.com. And um, is Courageous Gilbert the Groundhog also on Amazon? Yes, it is. If you got buy it on Amazon, that's fine. I just don't know who it's going to, so I can't autograph it for you. Ah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I want to thank you so very much, Regina McCarthy, for being such a heartfelt guest and for sharing some new ideas that will help our listeners have better relationships with themselves, their kids, other people. And Courageous Gilbert the Groundhog can start us all on a healing journey. And by the way, as I said three or four times before, this book is beautifully illustrated, not just for children, but I, as a practitioner, loved it. So listeners, until next week, this is Dr. Ann Schiebert asking you to remember that only you can create your world the way you want it to be. Have a great week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.